everyone. You're tuning into the first ever Group Think Podcast. I'm Madeline Krebs. And I'm Maggie Burke. And this month, we're giving you a pre-2020 teaser on our conversation happening next month on January 6th. If you've never had the pleasure of joining us for Group Think, we'll back it up. Group Think is a monthly, open-to-all conversation hosted at Native Hostel in Austin, Texas, the first Monday of the month. It's a platform for essential conversations, a space to be clear, uncertain, and curious. Time to explore unasked questions and opportunity to gather and build community. Group Think is a project by the World Economic Forum Global Shapers Austin Hub in partnership with Group Think Fargo. If you're curious about either of those organizations, keep listening and we'll tell you more at the end of this episode. Going into the new year is a natural time of reflection, thinking about who we are, who we've been, and who we want to be in the time ahead of us. So with the new year coming up and Group Thanks January event just around the corner, we chose identity as our topic for discussion. Now, the definition of identity is our sense of self, which we know can be defined in many ways that are deeply personal to each of us. One of the reasons we asked Riley Blanks and Leigh Salim to be our panelists is because they're both incredibly open and articulate about their own identities, which we know is going to draw our listeners in for today's podcast, as well as bring people into the room for the conversation at Native Hostel on January 6th. Because groupthink is really an opportunity to explore the often unasked questions with people in our community who we might not have met otherwise. So let's get started and meet our guests. So you want to speak to Leigh? Yes. Um, Okay, so my name is Riley Blanks. I live in Austin. I've been here for three years. I grew up all over the world. Um, My dad was drafted into the NBA the year I was born, so we had a very unconventional lifestyle. Huge part of my identity. Um, I am biracial. Um, I am a woman. I run a business called Woke Beauty. It's photographic therapy geared toward empowering women to see, celebrate, and value their beauty, um, especially internally. (laughs) Um, And it's rolled out into um, a space for human connection and healing and celebration. Um, Yeah, I also do commercial acting and modeling, but typically around sustainability and activism really any form of expression that speaks to me, I'm like game for that. <laughs> my name is Leith Salim. They, them pronouns, he, him pronouns, either are okay. Um, I identify as trans and non-binary. Uh, most people don't know that you can do both or have both as an identity. I can explain that later. Um, I work at Facebook. Uh, I am involved in a lot of our resource groups, um, in particular our Pride Act group, which focuses a lot on um, our LGBTQ plus uh, folks, I kind of bring the trans pillar to it all. And I am trans, but it isn't all of who I am. It's like a piece of the pie, mm-hmm. but it does inform a lot of how I look at life. I'm hoping that when other trans people come along after me, I've exposed people to enough uh, content or experiences about being trans that people then know how to better interact with those people or support those people or be an ally to those people. Mm-hmm. Well, we've kind of already started, but um, I think one of the first things to just set the grounds for the conversation about identity is defining 
what identity means to you. Um, I think you guys have touched on it already, but curious really when, when someone asks you about your identity, what, like, what's your answer, where do you start? I think it's such an interesting question. This is like my favorite part about it is how it's conceptualized um, because I like to psychoanalyze things. And so <laughs> when I was reflecting on this topic, I was thinking about um, like how identity is traditionally thought of. And you know, you look at like a form and it's like, what's your gender? What's your religion? What's your um, race? You know, and it's kind of these very like boxed in sort of like, I don't know, pillars for lack of a better word. And for me, when I think of identity, I wrote them down. So I think of components. And for me, the ones that are most important in no particular order are my life choices and my life behaviors, my relationships, and the way I look. And not necessarily because I place value on them or worth, but because I feel like they largely define who I am, whether like the way I see myself or whether it's the way the world sees me. And sometimes they are married. And then I think about how identity functions. And for me, it functions as um, expression versus introspection. So how I show up in what I would call like the front stage of life, and then introspection being who I am by myself. Like not necessarily by myself like when there's no one else around me, but like how I feel on the inside. Because sometimes you can feel a certain way and you don't like show it, right. obviously. <laughs> um, and then I think of privacy. So like a lot of, there are a lot of components in my identity that are completely private. Um, and then there are some components that like only my friends know or only my family knows. And that largely, that's a huge, especially right now in this phase of my life, that's a big part of my identity because it's, there's like this delicate balance between like what do I expose and what do I hold close and it's like the mystery of Scorpio. Do you yeah. mind if I ask what stage in life you are? Uh, I would say I'm in the stage of like, there's like a pulse, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you know, and like the, the cover is like moving, like it's like stuff might be ready to be more exposed, but I'm not ready. Well, you're also in a unique position where so much of your identity is your brand, like it's so closely yeah, intertwined exactly. more than... It will have an effect on yeah. my career. Yeah. yeah. So, and I have, you know, an audience. I have, I have like a, a following on Instagram. So I'm, I have to be careful with like what I want to leak or what I want to share and what I don't want to. And I don't know, like you, you do look at value and like the way things are quantified. And like maybe I wonder if some of these things are more precious if they're, if they're private. And then I think of like uh, mutability, like, like I think identity is changeable. And I think some of us are like really fixed and like afraid to change, and I think that's problematic. And um, my favorite quote right now is by Heraclitus, <laughs> the Greek philosopher, and he says that, or he said, change is the only constant. And um, I think that's so true, and I think whether we allow our identity to change or whether we m maintain that it must be fixed, it, we will inevitably have Im feel the impact of the fact that things, everything in life is always changing. And so um, that like kind of dance is really interesting to me too. I guess for me when I think of identity, um, I immediately go to like my trans identity because it's the thing that is most present, most top of mind, um, the thing that I feel like is always on the surface that keeps me and puts me in a position to like be navigating the world in a certain way, like whether that's for safety reasons or for um, purposes of, of not being judged or 
being discriminated against, but also kind of like taking a step back. I'm also um, first generation. My parents are immigrants from Lebanon, and I think that plays a big role into my identity today because we didn't grow up with money and truthfully today i'm still now the person who's kind of giving back to them and helping them stay afloat and there is a lot of shame in coming from that background because you're kind of trying to move past it while also acknowledging that that's like where you came from so for me it's like that's a really big component of my life and Frankly, I go to therapy every week, and this is a big topic, and it's it's a big part of who I am. But you know, truthfully, I also think a lot about who do I want to be in this world, and sometimes I think my trans identity can easily overshadow everything else in my life. Mm. So I really try to do this dance of like posting on social media about it, but not too much. But anytime I do it, it seems to be really valuable to someone else. Mm-hmm. Like I'll get a message online or someone will come up to me and say, hey, I think my sister is trans, and it's a, it's a really cool experience. Mm-hmm. But I'm also trying to do that balance of, this is who I am, but it's not all of who I am. It is tough trying to be in control of your own narrative. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's other people, other resources trying to pull it out, and um, sometimes I feel somewhat tokenized, but it's kind of all a part of just figuring out who I am, and there's that that component of, you know, you want people to like you and you want to be understood, you want to be accepted. Everyone wants those things. And so sometimes it feels like the way to do that um, is to not police everyone around you and kind of let your identity be exposed in ways that it is being welcomed maybe. And then maybe that's like a kind of a messed up perspective to have, but I just also am like, I can't control the world around me and I'm also not keeping this a big secret so in whatever ways it's out there and exposed it it's just the only way to to kind of move forward is to think about the positive impact that it's having Mm -hmm. in doing that I think the universal human need to be understood is definitely something that when you think about identity comes up a lot for both of you what would you if you could control your own narrative about your own identity what would you want people to understand I would say for me this makes me think of tennis because I was an, I was a tennis player for 15 years. So this is like this is my quote unquote first life. I'm still alive, so um, I don't know how that works. But I picked a racket when I was five years old on a red clay court in Nicosia, Cyprus, like the, the way I would write it in a book. And um, I didn't put that thing down until I was 20, and uh, it was an arduous path. I left home when I was 12 to train at you know high performance, and. Um, it was filled with uh, many valleys. <laughs> um, there was erosion on the mountain, and you know, if you look at it like that, um, I endured a lot of injuries. Um, I endured inappropriate behavior from men, um, which is very common in tennis because you don't really have a, a social life, and so you spend the majority of your time with your hitting partner or your coach. They're traditionally men. Um, and so by the time I got to college, I ended up going to UVA, which I originally was going to bypass. I was going to go pro. Um, I was pretty spent. And it's frustrating when people say, oh, did you burn out? You know, that's like how they think of you. Oh, you just you got tired. And it's like, no, <laughs> I didn't just burn out. I'm strong. You know what I mean? I'm not a victim. Um, I just, it was like it was time to move on. 
And in college, I found art, and art felt good, and tennis didn't. That's, you know, it's so much deeper than a burnout, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I do think oftentimes I feel this need to explain, and I get um, a bit stressed and anxious about it and flustered, and it's not tennis. It's like the assault and the injuries and the displacement, and you know what I mean? It's so, there's so much more beneath the surface mm. that you just don't want to explain someone over to someone over a cocktail, you know? Yes. And so... Um, that would probably be the first thing that comes to mind. And then I think about my hair. When you first start thinking about your identity, and it's oftentimes hair, because like a lot of the people I was around when I was little had straight hair, and it was it glistened in the sun, shiny, and like when the wind blew, it followed, you know? And I was like, <laughs> come on, hair, like move, you know what I mean? But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a fro, you know? I used to hate it when people called, me, called it that. I'd be like, no, it's not. It's not an afro. What are you talking about? They would be like, oh. sorry. <laughs> um, but it's so funny because I used to wish that I, I didn't have this hair, that I had like pretty flowy, shiny hair. And so now when people are like, oh, I wish I had your hair or I love your hair, I'm like, what? <laughs> this is so confusing, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I guess I want my hair to be a lot less of a big deal. <laughs> Just like... It's just what it does, guys. Like, you know, like you mix brown with white and then you throw in a little bit of Portuguese and some Native American and this is what you get, you know? Um, but at the same time, like how we choose to style our hair, maybe that does say a lot about who we are, you know? For me, eh, sometimes. But it has that much impact on how I'm viewed. Um, and it's like, who are we really? Anyway, I'm gonna shut up. Your turn. <laughs> Riley, I can just see you talk. You're so well-spoken. <laughs> Thank just you. a great storyteller, too. Thank you. Um, so what was the question? It's honestly, <laughs> the conversation is more important than the question. Okay. We're just here to, to spark it. I feel like it was kind of, at least I interpreted it like what frustrates you about how people alter your narrative or, or yes. right? It's like, it's like explain question. less. Like when you said I am trans and, mm -hmm. like, I, I don't know, when you asked it, I kind of imagined, like, what are the signs that I would want just to be floating above my head and not have to explain mm. myself? Mm. Ooh, but I, I like, like that. I mean, that's, I like that's, that's funny. Yeah. I took it way further. I was <laughs> No, because your, what would be floating above you would also be, you know, yeah. tennis and somebody who chose to move from tennis to art yeah. and things that would be crossed out, like burned out athlete that wouldn't yeah. be a part of it because that's something that people misinterpret. And if you could... Like have all of those disclaimers <laughs> when you meet someone. Yeah. Then you wouldn't have to talk about it as much. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, for me, honestly, I feel like it wasn't until two years ago that I really started to be able to have like the mental capacity and the energy to like carve out who I am. In a lot of ways I feel like I have this Peter Pan syndrome, like I'm always gonna be this like 17 year old person mm -hmm. because I'm still so, I think, behind um, as far as learning who I am. And that's because I don't think I felt comfortable for many years of my life. And those years where people really figure out who they are, like 15 to 20, 24, you know, I wasn't living in a body and or in a life that I was happy with and it wasn't reflective of who I thought I was but I didn't have the language to describe how I felt or the vocabulary I didn't know a single trans person at the time even I don't even think I knew a single gay person so um, 
to me just I just always felt othered and I didn't know why so it was a, it was a, there was a lot of anxiety around like why do I feel so different from everybody and I never could I never could put it into words um, and I you know obviously started like chipping away at it I early on I think at 17 ish I started realizing that like I at least like women I was like okay that's something and that was scary um, I didn't tell anybody and I was just kind of like keeping that to myself I did eventually share it with a few friends in high school but swore them to secrecy like do not share this outside of this group um, and there was a lot of embarrassment and a lot of like well I guess and I didn't know a single other queer person at the time and so I was just like I guess I'm the only one out there and a part of that felt really good because I was like great I've like checked off the box I now know this is who I am and now I can start living like mm -hmm. I finally felt like I'd figured it out and now I can start living comfortably and happily and just move forward because I was a really depressed kid especially in middle school and there's a lot that there's a lot backing why that happened um, or why I was that way and but once I figured out a part of my sexuality something still just didn't feel right and it wasn't until the end of college that I had met one trans person and I had no idea that you can change your gender that you can do anything about your gender. I thought this is the body that you're born into and that's it. There's nothing you can do about it. And I also thought, and like if I did have the slightest idea of like you can transition, I thought it also meant you're signing up for homelessness, you're signing up to be rejected by society and just kind of, you know, not have a social life, not ever be able to hold a job or be accepted by anybody. So for me, it was like an absolute no and I erased that possibility from my mind but then I met this trans person and just kind of like saw them experience hormone replacement therapy, also known as HRT. Also get <clears throat> their their chest removed. Um, and it kind of opened up my eyes to this is a possibility, this is something that you can do. And I didn't tell anybody that I was like so closely following this person on social media, although I also had met them in real life. And it was a lot of like behind closed doors, watching YouTube videos, going through Instagram for hours on end, like just trying to find people like me, reading every caption that I could find. And there was a lot of shame associated with it. I mean, there was a lot of like, you know, just because you know that you're trans or that you think that you're trans doesn't mean that it now makes it easy to say that you're trans or to ever take any action in that direction. Um, I don't know if anyone's heard of internalized homophobia but there's a lot of also internalized transphobia. You know, you, you kind of realize like, you don't identify with the gender you were assigned with at birth, and now you need to do something about it. <clears throat> and it's scary, and you're, you're sort of unsure how to move forward, and you're not sure what you'll be losing in the process. And it's hard to think about what you'll be gaining as you are going through it. But um, I guess like, ultimately what I would want people to know is that, um, being trans is just like such a small part of who I am. Well, again, going back to what I said earlier, just such a big part of who I am at like the foundation, but I think a lot of trans people don't wanna just be known for being trans, you know? You know we wanna be known for being funny and, and a good time and smart and well-read and 
I don't know, whatever else you want to be, really. But uh, I guess for me, it's just like I wish I could have this sign at the top of my, at, like my top of my head, saying, um, I guess. Another trans big and more, or like <laughs> yeah, yes. you know, like yeah. trans, etc. <laughs> trans, etc. Or like list all the things I am, and then at the bottom, trans. Like yeah. you know, like as a piece of me. Um, so I think I really would like that, and I also just wish. You know, when people find out you're trans, it just doesn't do that thing in their mind, which I think it does do, because in my position, at least it did, it did for me when I found out someone else was trans, did this thing of, I guess this, like a key turning of, now I have to think of you as like the trans person. Um, and it kind of starts erasing the rest of who you are because they're just now so focused on that piece of you. And that happened to you towards somebody else? Like, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, like the moment I knew this person who I won't name is trans, I and it could have been my like fascination mm -hmm. with the trans person because it so closely resembled who I thought I was. Um, I like was looking at them through this like trans lens and like these eyeglasses that just saw trans, and I wonder if that's what happens to to other people when they find out that I'm trans, regardless of whether or not they're trans. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, that's the hardest part about like being out and open is like you don't want people to only think of you in this one way. Mm -hmm. And so, but again, like I said, being so out and open also brings so many good things to my life. And I, I think it helps other people too. So there is that, um, that boundary that I am always straddling to, to find balance with. Yeah. Do you feel that your online identity and your like real world identity are different? And if so, how? That's such a good question. I mean, what do you think? I always wonder that. Yeah. Um, you know, you you never know really because are people lying? Who knows? I mean, are they just being nice? I meaning because I I think I can't see myself. I mean, I can look in a mirror, I can take a picture, and I'm a photographer, and I'm saying this, but I don't know what I look like, mm. and I can't do a beauty session. But I did because I did that self-portrait series. But you know what I mean? Like I yeah, can't. Take, I feel like see. you're goofier in person. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's like the only thing that you can't get online is yeah. like your sense of humor and like the silliness you have in your voice that you can't type out. No, I can't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe I'm more serious. Yeah. But sometimes it depends on who I'm with. Yeah. This is interesting about identity mm -hmm. too. You guys, the Global Shapers, man, they pull that out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, I leave the Global Shapers and I feel really rejuvenated. And I'm not just saying that. If mm -hmm. I, as an actress, if I went far enough, I could start crying. I feel very seen with the Global Shapers. I really mean that. I feel like I can be my true self. Mm. This is my identity. You guys are getting all of it. A lot of people don't get this side. Wow, so they get, grateful that you decided to share your whole self with yeah. us. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's the way you show, it's the way we all show up together, like collectively. But I bet if you were flying the wall with a lot of people, you'd be like, oh, she is really serious. You know what I mean? <laughs> and this is, this is a, an audience that I'm mostly disconnected from. So am I going to show them who I really am? Remember, there's, there are a lot of doors that are closed. No. 
don't know you. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I show you everything. A lot of people think I'm super transparent on social media. And I'm like, mm. 50%? You're getting <laughs> half of me, okay? There are <laughs> layers know? here. Yeah, seriously. Um, I'm so interested in your so, posts now and what you're putting out there. I wanna, I'm going to go check thanks. you out afterwards. You mentioned earlier that you sometimes question what you're going to put on Instagram, but then you get a lot of positive feedback. And that kind of validates your posts and like who you decide to be on social media. Like mm-hmm. how do you use it to either reinforce or answer questions about your identity or maybe it's just like a second tool that you have and, or a fun thing, I don't know. Well, actually, so like when I first, you know, started realizing that I was trans, like I said, I was like living on Instagram to try to find people because at the time, hashtags were like very easily, they, they still are, but at the time I think there was just something different about them. I was like watching people have their chest surgeries and getting taking their shots of testosterone or estrogen if they're uh, male to female. And it was just so inspiring. Like I have never looked at social media as a negative plot as a negative outlet or platform or resource to anybody. I understand how it can be, but for me personally, it's been nothing but but good things. And to answer your question, um, when I first realized that I was trans, I started posting about my identity. I, you know, it kind of has evolved. Like I used to gone back and forth. So I started off identifying as non-binary because I felt that there was this, that I didn't really prescribe to either male or female, but I like didn't, and I didn't really have, I didn't really know where I fit. So I just said non-binary. and. Non-binary by definition is that you don't identify with either or. And for me, I kind of felt like a mixture of both, but that was the best word to describe myself. And now I know- In what way? Like, explain the mixture. That I felt like a mixture of both? Yeah. So since I didn't know this at the time, but there's gender and then gender expression. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's like my gender was not female like I knew I was not female but like I didn't quite feel male and I didn't really understand why and it's because in how I express myself I think I'm still more on like sometimes the feminine side of like how people express themselves and that could just be my own perception but like using my hands a lot and my facial expressions and um I'm like really touchy when I'm talking to people I feel like those are more like female qualities but there was a point in time where I was like, I can't be male because I am, I'm all of these things. Like men are very serious and they don't use their hands a lot and they have a very stoic face. Um, but, you know, so I think for me, there was like a hard, I, it, was, it was hard for me to identify with that mm-hmm. male person because I didn't think I looked and uh, acted as a Or male. you didn't have men to look up to who behaved the way that you felt comfortable behaving. Right, you know? absolutely. and. Um, but you know, I identify as non-binary, use they, them pronouns, and truly, like, I do want to be very clear on this, non-binary as an identity is not a transitional identity. I think I used it as a transitional identity for a small period, Mm. went to saying I am a trans man, and then now have gone back to being like, no, I am non-binary, but I use he, him pronouns too. And there's a lot there, but I think, I just don't want people to believe that I use they, them pronouns exclusively as like a, a placeholder to figuring out my gender. Like it was an identity and it still is an identity for me and it is for so many people and they will always forever only use those pronouns and that identity. 
Um, Can I repeat that back to make sure yeah. I got it? So is the misconception that non-binary is a transitional period on your way to another gender identity destination? Yeah. Yeah, okay. sometimes. And, and that is not true. And that is not true. Absolutely not true. But I think people think it is. And I'm afraid that just because of my own journey that that's mm. the, the narrative I've given, I've shared. Um, and it, it, it's not true. Um, but Thank you for clarifying that. I think that is something that can easily get confused. Mm-hmm. So. People, It's kind of like when people say they're bi and people are like they're just waiting until they say they're gay. And it's like... It's not that. Like, being bi is an actual identity. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, being pansexual is an actual identity. Mm -hmm. Just the way that being non-binary is an actual gender identity. For me, like I said, like, I... It was somewhat of a placeholder until I was like, I don't know what I am, but, like, I actually am non-binary. I thought I had to be something else, and that's why I think in in some ways it was like, let me figure this out. Um, I do feel like if you put bi in front of anything mm. the world is like ah! <laughs> you know they're like no you're not you're just confused you're confused or you're gross or you're problematic or you're crazy Selfish. or think about all of the things yeah, that can go in front of yep problem problem oh, wow. problem by Bi- biracial what mm. pick you know um bisexual what pick bipolar you're crazy all of them they like all have very problems black and white cultural mindset of you either are this or that. You're an apple or you're an orange. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know, you're crazy. Yeah. 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 I mean, and like, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, to your question on like how I use social media, I was using it a lot to be like, I am on binary. These are pronouns. This is how you use pronouns. This is why it's important to use pronouns. This is my gender journey. Like, Everyone needs to know what I'm doing. And I felt the I felt the obligation to be so open about it. One, because I needed everyone to know. Like I needed everyone to know so that when I ran into them in person, they knew what was going on in my life personally. That was really important because then otherwise you get misgendered, you get called the wrong name. And so in a lot of ways it was like this platform to like make announcements. But also it was this platform to do what others did for me for others, right? And like I particularly have attracted parents for some reason. I don't know how this has happened, but mm-hmm. I like talk to parents pretty regularly and will uh, will just talk to me about, you know, I, I won't name this person, but I got a text message on my birthday a couple days ago from this uh, person's mom who I met online who said this person is starting testosterone tomorrow and like so grateful for, you know, connecting with you and being able to, to talk to you and have you as a resource and things like that. So it's stuff like that. So now I just still try to be active for like those reasons. And I am the only trans person that people know for some people, right? And so, and I'm willing to give information and share perspective on what I've gone through and how I've thought of things. Um, but now, I'm, now as we talked about kind of going back to the beginning, I'm now like, okay, I've kind of like checked off this like now – like, to, to my knowledge, I don't think I'm going to have any other surgeries. Like, I am now done with that. I am now just on hormones the rest of my life, living my life. I've got all of my documents legally changed. Like, I've kind of completed the harder parts of transition. And now it's like I need to just start living my life. Like, mm-hmm. what am I into? What do I care about? Mm-hmm. What are my values? All these things. So, um, but I still want to be active for those reasons because it gave me so much. I just want to, like, give back in that way now.
One question I had, and, and I caveat this in knowing that we are never, I think, fully baked people, but knowing... Always changing. Yeah. Change is the constant. Yeah. Change is the constant. <laughs> Cheers. Um, but... Sound, you guys sound like people who have at least come into your own and who you are at this moment in time. And I was wondering, like, what would you either tell your younger self or a younger person who, like, hasn't necessarily hit that that moment in time of just, I know who I am. Let me figure out what my hobbies are. Like, what would you tell someone to get them there or at least get them through that journey of getting there? Your perspective dictates your reality. Soundbite. Done. Wow. What about you? Um... <laughs> Oh my God, wait, what was the question again? What, what would you would tell, tell a younger, younger self? Yeah, your younger self, a younger self. So actually, I did hang out with a friend's younger brother who's visiting town who believes he's trans, and he is trans. Um, and it did feel like I was talking to myself. So like, I mm. literally had this conversation like two weeks ago. And um, I was. it wasn't until I left that I was like, well, I think I was talking to myself. <laughs> gave him a really big hug and was like, and like kind of whispered in his ear like you're a really good person and I think I was sort of talking to myself because I was seeing how he was beating himself up like mm. not not good enough could literally only see like to the age of like 22 and um, didn't care if he died mm. and um, never thought he'd have surgery or get better or be happy and I was just like watching myself because that's all I was. I thought I would live till 23 and I didn't know how I would die, but I just knew I would die. I just thought I would die. And it's, it, I would just say that keep, keep going, you know? I think that's, that's not any, like that's no grandiose advice, but that's like- That's pretty big. <laughs> keep going, keep trying, and keep trying to figure it out because you will if you keep doing that and because that's what I did I mean there wasn't I didn't have a moment that like changed my life it was just a progression of continuing to try and find people like me and then finding resources finding jobs making myself financially stable um, going to therapy keep going keep trying and keep trying to figure it out that's all you can really do and ask for help Mm, ask for help so important we all need it yeah yeah um well with a few minutes left any like closing thoughts last words things you want to put out into the universe for us this is cathartic i just feel so <laughs> yeah. good this i love like group listening therapy. to you you should keep talking <laughs> I feel about you. we should just like talk i know yeah. we should be friends great news is this is just the teaser <laughs> oh that's for true i totally another forgot about that that will true. happen yeah so I feel yeah, like we'll need more than 25 minutes. That's well, why we're doing a podcast, because everybody feels that way, yeah. and we do that by design. So the whole point of having the Group Think event is we cut you off at 20 minutes so that people continue the conversation. Thanks for listening to us today. If you want to learn more about our amazing speakers that we had featured today, check out our description in whatever platform you're listening to for more information on them. Also, if you want to come hear them speak live, don't forget to head out to our event happening January 6th at Native Hostel. Doors open at 5.30 and the conversations get started around 6. Um, We'll all be there and so will other members of the Global Shapers community. 
Global Shapers is an initiative of the World Economic Forum. Global Shapers is a network of city-based hubs developed and led by young people who are committed to improving the state of the world through public-private collaboration. You can learn more about our Austin hub at austinshapers.com. Groupthink, not groupthink, originated in Fargo, North Dakota in 2014. Two community members, Brittany Sickler and Karis Thompson, developed Groupthink as a platform for essential conversations, offering anyone who showed up time to explore often unasked questions and a chance to engage in a plurality of perspectives without needing to agree. Since 2014, Groupthink's volunteer team has coalesced diverse groups to think and talk together in the public realm. You can learn more about them at www.groupthinkfargo.com or find Groupthink on Facebook and Twitter. If you're local to the Austin area, check us out at GroupThinkATX on Facebook and Instagram for all updates on the GroupThink events happening in Austin, Texas.